Hello, welcome to my podcast. My guest today is Lorraine Jackson. She is my mother, and today we're going to be talking about what she went through through my trials and tribulations with my health. So, Mom, how did you feel when you found out I had cancer? Um, I was in sh- I was in shock. I think the doctors was in shock too because um, what happened was. You was having these continuous pain in your knees, and the only time you had it in that knee was at night. So we had assumed at first that it was a growing spot, but then they continue. So um, we went to uh, to to the doctor and got an X-ray on base, and she immediately made an appointment for you at Chapel Hill, and um, we went in to see Doctor Russ, and he tried to do a what you call a needle biopsy and nothing came no fluid came out so we were sort of optimistic that that maybe there was nothing there you know but he said just to make sure that we would go in and do a surgical biopsy so uh two days later we was in chapel hill um uh, and he was in surgery and um i was by myself and um and how did you feel being by yourself being a single parent and having your firstborn son now going into surgery for cancer at the age of 18, 19 years old? Um, well, it was, it was a biopsy, you know, and a surgical biopsy. So uh, I was, I didn't think about being myself because in, in reality, I wasn't by myself because I had God. God has always been on my side and I had him. So really, I didn't need anybody but myself and God. And then when Dr. Russ came out and uh, we went back into, you know, where surgery goes back into the conference room and everything. And he said, Lorraine, he said he has uh, sarcoma. And uh, explain sarcoma for the people that don't know. Sarcoma is a type of bone cancer which can um, be anywhere in your body. Uh, it's a uh, how can I say it can be a fast uh, traveling cancer if you don't catch it in time and uh, it was shocked because Dr. Rose was shocked because he said that he had to do uh, he had to do the biopsy twice because he had to send it to a pathology twice because he just couldn't believe that you had bone cancer so this hit me it hit me like a, a, a rock and I think I shocked Dr. Rose because I didn't going to hystericals, crying and everything else like that. Uh, the first thing out of my mouth was, uh, what is the game plan? And what I meant by the game plan is, what do we have to do to keep this child alive? And I think I shocked Dr. Russ and everything else like that. But like I said, I had God by my side. And he gave me the strength to, to receive this news and, and the strength to say, okay, it's not about myself, it's about my child that's going to have to go through all these treatments to live. So, um, um, he told me what we had to do first, we had to start off with chemotherapy, and then he would have so many rounds of chemotherapy, and then we would go into surgery, where he would um, take the complete D out, and whatever um, surrounding bone that is affected out and uh, 
go back into chemotherapy again. But what Kevin didn't tell you was before that, uh, we found out that he had a um, an edema, which is a tumor on the pituitary gland. And we found that out with him having severe headaches and everything else like that. But how did you feel like that? Me starting out as a teenager, having to go through all of this so early in my life. Well, my thinking of it was that there's other children out there that has gone through this in early years of life, even babies, right, right, right. even babies uh, are born with Sacoma right. or born with some type of, of cancer. And hopefully uh, with you having uh, been going into the type of family uh, you had and everything, that you would be strong and be able to deal with the treatments for um, the pituitary gland edema and now uh, the Sacoma, which uh, we had two uh, life-threatening um, illnesses for somebody that just really not even turned 18. He's still 17 years old. Right. Now, what would you give single parents or parents out there advice on what to do when doctors come and tell them their child has this and their child has that, and they're looking like, what in the world, what am I supposed to do? Well, the advice I give it, number one, is when you have an inkling that there might be some type of disease there, or after you found out what the disease is, is to do research. And Google is a good source of research. And um, the American Cancer Society, if the child has cancer, is a good resource and everything because they have individuals that will talk to you on the phone and that will send you all information pertaining to uh, the type of illness that this child has pertaining to cancer. And then also you have um, organizations that are out there that are very helpful for counseling that can give you great information and be a support unit too. So that's what I would get for uh, single parents and even if you're not single uh, right. to get involved with and to gather the information. But one thing that is very important, be sure that you know or have the ability to know what the doctor is discussing with you by doing research. Always do research. Now, how did you get through these times? What was your outlet? You know, because you were going through this, you're a single mother, you have one child at home, you have one child up in the hospital. What was your outlook? What was your release from all of this? Because it's a lot on one person, the person that was there. It's a um, lot on one person. Basically, I don't think I had a release because uh, I was too worried about trying to keep my child alive and praying to God and everything else like that. And and uh, I was working and uh, my younger son, uh, Keith, was holding the fort down in order for me to either be at Chapel Hill when uh, my son Kevin was going through chemo or to be at home... Uh, doing the daytime shift while I worked and everything. So I, I didn't have a release. My release was my prayers into to God, my faith, and my mother. Uh, my mother kept me very strong and kept me very positive. And uh, my faith kept me very strong and positive. So I guess that, that you could really say that was my release. 
how did you have the conversation with Keith when it was time for you to go back to work and I was home in the living room, in the bed, that he would take over and be my caregiver after I let those nurses go? Uh, there was no conversation because, you know, Keith has always been there. He's always been my right hand, uh, especially with, you know, Kevin being sick and everything. And he was, he uh, asked me, he said, well, mama, what do I have to do? Uh, and you take an individual child. This child was only uh, 14 years old, really 14 years old at this time. And, um, you know, it's hard to ask a child to do things that nurses do. Uh, the ch change the bandages. But and, he learned so fast, though. Yeah, he learned by watching me and watching the nurses and everything else like that. And uh, we've gone through this, you know, uh, several times through the treatments right. because you've had six surgeries all together uh, dealing with um, doing your medication for the port. Uh, even myself was scared to deal with the port and everything like that. That but, port was crazy. Uh, yeah, it was. And Keith just jumped in there and he can deal with doing that port and doing what you're supposed to do with the port and flushing it out and putting medication through the IV to go into the port and everything else like that and then flushing it out again and putting it back together. Um, Keith was very fantastic and uh, like I said, he was my right hand uh, all through the surgeries and everything. Uh, even being at home with Kevin, making sure Kevin was taken care of, uh, making sure that he had the food, making sure that he was able to... And all that pain... Yeah, and all the pain that he did have, make sure he had the medication, make sure he was able to go to uh, the bathroom and everything like that. We had the um, uh, portable um, potty uh, toilet and everything else like that to move him from uh, the hospital bed mm, yep, to the toilet by the uh, by the bed and everything, and then put him back and not and not really move that leg, which was uh, wrapped because up because we couldn't. Yeah, couldn't move. That was at the, that was the other surgery. Yeah. So, uh, uh, like I said, we we've been through a lot. The family's been through a lot. Um, and you had to deal with me being home, me passing out, me going to the, the emergency room, me coming home, going back and forth to the emergency room, me having one cancer, two cancers, three cancers, this and that, brain tumors, and all this type of stuff. How did you, as an individual, in your own private place, deal with that because that's a lot for one person to deal with. The wife, their child, just the light just go down. Uh, like I said, my mother in prayer. Uh, and you know, and you have to keep your faith and everything else like that because really, you did you cry? Not really. I didn't have time to cry because you would. You're that type of person that is strong. You're focused. It's time to do stuff. Uh, it's like sometimes I find that crying is a form of weakness. And if I did cry, uh, I went back and got myself together because, right. you know, I couldn't show weakness in front of you because then you would be depressed and, and everything else like that. And Keith would be depressed and everything. So, you know, God kept me going and Mama kept me going. And I found out that really you can't really depend on friends because when you have a sick child or a sick individual within your house, um, people really don't want to hear about their right. illnesses and the trouble That's that true. they're going through. So uh, I can say basically, uh, 
Keith and I and you dealt with it ourselves within the house. Like I said, people only know the outside layer of it. They don't know the many, many times that I was rushed off to the hospital, that I was throwing up, that I was bleeding or I have fallen or all these type of things. People don't know that, you know? And how did you, when you found, when you found me on the floor many, many times, what was, what was going through your mind with that? Um, nothing was going through my mind. We just had to get you up. Uh, and, uh, the falling came after the fact that you had surgery and everything. You started to, uh, uh, try to, uh, walk in the brace and everything. But see, we had complications way before because, you know, you started chemo in September uh, you started treatment with your endocrinologist for the uh, pituitary uh, gland uh, edema a month before that, which was medication and everything mm-hmm. else like that. That's right. And then also you did have a neurologist uh, who was Dr. Ewing, who was the chief of um, a neurologist. At you Ch- love him, Dr. Ewing? Yeah, I love Dr. Ewing. I love Dr. Russ. And um, so we had to deal with that. And then you went through chemo until... Uh, the second week in December where he was scheduled for major surgery to remove the tumor, which had shrunk some in your leg due to the the chemo and everything else like that. And um, we had surgery and um, he was in hospital for a week at Chapel Hill and uh, you came home and everything. And you really, you really did great with the surgery and everything else like that. The decision was great. Yeah, it did. Uh, Pain management was great and everything else like that. It sure was. And then what happened after that was um, he was supposed to go into physical therapy. And I'll never forget this. This was in January. Uh, it was Martin Luther King's birthday holiday, and I was home from school. Uh-huh. And one of my friends uh, stopped by and wanted to take you to the mall. And you was on crutches. She had a brace and everything else like that. So I figured that it wasn't no problem for you to go to the mall. You had the brace on. You had the crutches. Right, because we thought everything was fine. Right. But what we didn't know, and I, and I didn't know until after I really did in-depth research is... Well, we both didn't know, so... That even though you healed on the outside, that when you're dealing with chemotherapy and everything else like that, you're still not healed on the inside. So when you was getting to uh, your friend's car, the brace went back, and what it did was it tore your leg open all the way down to the hardware, and that was the day that I found and really saw the hardware of an artificial knee and its attachment. And you know what? Um, I didn't panic. Uh, unfortunately, your no, friend... No, you, you was a soldier. Yeah, your friend panicked. And I told him, I says, don't move him. Keep him in the car. And what I did, I went back into the house and I got a trash bag. And I, and you wasn't bleeding at all. No, thank God thank for that. God. And uh, I put your, back, your leg... Uh, into the trash bag and covered it up and told your friend uh, to meet me in Onslow at the emergency room. And I got there and I told the emergency room uh, doctor what was going on. And when he came out to the car and he looked at his leg and he knew automatically there was nothing Onslow could do with that leg. All they could do was clean that leg out and wrap it up in protection wrapper and call Chapel Hill. And Dr. Russ at that time was out of town, but his attending who has, you know, been with Dr. Russ all the time, dealing with Kevin, yep. was on duty. And I, I, I couldn't take off from work at that time. 
uh, because you know I need to go in. But work. I told you, you talk. You mean you called? I told you. I said, "Mama, I'm fine." Right. I said, "Mama, I'm fine." And uh, the MLS driver says, "Don't worry, Miss Lorraine. We'll take care of Kevin and everything like that." And when he got to Chapel Hill, uh, and and those people up there, let me tell you, those people, the nurses and doctors, and the other people that work at Chapel Hill, they are fantastic. See, that's what the people need to know. The doctors and stuff in Chapel Hill and, and, Duke. and Duke Hospital, they are fantastic doctors and staff. Yeah, and uh, uh, the uh, Dr. Russ's uh, attendant, uh, he called me up and he says, Miss Lorraine, don't worry. Uh, we're going to put Kevin back together again. And I told him I would be up there that evening. Uh, I got things situated at school. And uh, God bless Miss Jaeger because, um, I mean... She's like my white sister, as we say. She called me, call me her black sister, and uh, I call her my white sister, but she's my boss. And uh, she was there for me always, really with the first trying years of, of Kevin being sick with the uh, sarcoma and everything, and the surgeries that we had, and, and the chemotherapy and and all that. But um, when we got up there, uh, Kevin was put back together. Yeah, and, sure was. And... Uh, um, he was in the hospital for a week and everything else like that. And we went through that. He came back and we had a hospital bed in the and I sat my butt down this time. Living room and um between the living room and the dining room, that's when we lived in a townhouse. And uh like I said, Keith was the right hand again and he uh was right there for me. We changed that bandages and gone lows, honey. I tell you, we thought that with the surgery <laughs> and he had over 65 stitches going down that leg oh you was, remember that oh, oh my yeah, goodness <laughs> I remember that. going down that leg and everything was was something and uh but when we had to deal with him being put together because um what you didn't know was the type of surgery that the type of surgery he had plus he had two types of surgery he had the surgery to repair the leg and put it back together but due to the way how it split open he also had to have plastic surgery done on the leg. And what they did, they um, took the skin from his hips and thigh area mm -hmm. and covered um, that incision where it needed skin to be. Skin graft. Give me a yeah, skin graft. skin graft and covered it. Uh, and you had to take care of the skin graft and everything like that. You may that. have had to blow it with the hair dryer. Yeah. Get to, <laughs> yeah it was, uh, believe me, uh, everybody, uh, dealing with Kevin's uh, illnesses and everything like that, there's a lot of procedures that you have to learn and go through and deal with. And uh, Keith and I uh, dealt with it because we had nobody else. We had the home care nurse come in. But come to find out that we could do the work better than what she was doing. So uh, Kevin told him, well, you don't have to come back in anymore because my brother could do the same thing, if not better than what you could do. Right. So exactly. uh, we dealt with that. And, and the nurses uh, at Chapel Hill and the doctors at Chapel Hill and that Duke taught us how to do all this. So let's go into when you, um, when they told you at, um, when I was doing my chemo stuff, they came in the room and told us that they could not do anything for me. What was that feeling? Uh, that was after several chemo treatments and everything else like that. And, um, you know, the newest chemo that Kevin had at, uh, Chapel Hill, he had three different types of chemo. Uh, the first week he'd go in, he would have two two types of different types of chemo uh, given at the same time. And uh, let me tell you about this. Always uh, uh, get a port. 
because at first Kevin was scared of getting the port. So what they did was, you know, they, the nurses couldn't talk him into getting the port and everything no, they else. Couldn't. So uh, the first time they tried it, it blew his vein in his right arm. Yeah, you cannot and get any blood out of my right arm. So he learned that you can't have stubbornness when a nurse tells you. And then the next day he had a port put in. Yeah. And uh, because as soon as that chemo hit the system. That was it. Uh, that was thrown up and everything else like that. So we went through that. And uh, dealing with him getting the port, first refusing the port and everything like that. And then getting the port in. And he found out that uh, getting the port in was much easier. Uh, it was. With chemo. It was. And um, yeah. thank God for Dr. Julie. Yes, Dr. Julie. Uh, because Dr. Russ was his ortho, uh, orthopedist oncologist. And Dr. Julie, not Dr. Julie, Dr. Uh, Lola, excuse me. Dr. Julie was the endocrinologist. Dr. Lola was the uh, oncologist uh, doctor for him, and she is fantastic. She still, she practiced now in Raleigh. Um, and uh, with the throwing up and everything else like that, and the numerous types of chemo, and then he would have to come home, stay home for at least 10 days, and go back in to what I call the bad chemo, which is the metotrisate, which totally wipes out everything, uh, white cells and everything. And uh, it but was horrible. Did, but uh, what did you feel like when they told you that I was going to have to come home and stay home because they could not put any more chemo in my body? Uh, well, it's, you know, when you go through dealing with a lot of chemo and everything else like that, and you have the nurses tell you when, uh, uh, that he came up there one time when we had to medevac him and he medevac him to Chapel Hill because, you know, down here in Oslo, in the Naval Hospital, they couldn't do anything with, with dealing with Kevin uh, when he had problems. Uh, it automatically, they knew that they had to call uh, the ambulance to transport him uh, to Chapel Hill for treatment. And the nurses at Chapel Hill uh, told you, and, and let me tell you about the nurses at Chapel Hill and the doctors. They don't keep nothing from you. They show though, they tell you everything. They tell you everything. And um When people ask questions, they tell you yeah. everything. And uh they told me they said, you know, Miss Lorraine, they call me Miss Lorraine. And they said, you know what, Miss Lorraine, we didn't think that we was gonna be able this time to save Kevin. And that's what, you know, they give him the blood transfusion, which the first time he had a blood transfusion, he refused. And this one doctor who we didn't know, but he was on call, um, told me that just because Kevin refused a blood transfusion, that he wasn't going to give Kevin a blood transfusion. And um, I told this doctor, I says, well, you know what? Let me tell you something. And I was in my super duper mother move. I said, he has no choice in the matter because number one, I have power of attorney. And number two, I'm his mother. And when I tell him that he is going to have a blood transfusion in order to live, he is going to do that blood transfusion. And you have no choice because I do have a power of attorney to give him the blood transfusion. <laughs> you weren't playing up there. And, I was uh, out of my mind. I didn't know what I was talking about. And believe it or not, he was a black doctor. And believe it or not, <laughs> it was like, oh, well, this woman knows what she's talking about. And, you know, I'm no I'm no dummy. And I'm that's, well, important to, that's important to, well, tell, to tell the people that you knew what she was talking about. You made sure you knew what you were talking about. Yeah. Well educated and real well versed in his treatment, 
in his illness. And, and you know what? Some parents are not like, some parents are not like that. And that's why they have trouble with doctors and stuff like that, because they don't go and find the information for themselves. That's why everybody, uh, not just parents, even a patient yeah. should research their illnesses and find out. Because you made me research mine. Right. You have to know about your illness and what can happen and what's the consequences. So when the doctor came in and, uh, he told me that, you know, they were sending Kevin home because they didn't want to give uh, Kevin any more uh, chemo treatment because the chemo was doing worse to his body, bringing his body down more than the actual physical illness. And what some people don't know is that sometimes it's not the illness that kills you. It's the treatment that you're getting for yeah, the illness. That treatment was rough. So we brought Kevin home and... Um, you mean my hands turned black, my feet turned black, I was crying and it was like, my face was like hot and stingy. Yeah, that's that's from the chemo and everything. And and, and that they tell you this and that's in the information that you read. So we brought Kevin home and for uh, over a month he stayed in bed and he began to get better. And the doctors called every day to check on him and everything like that. Yeah, they sure and, did. And uh, uh, when he went back after a month and... Uh, he was he was in remission, but but what to tell you before that is, um, you know, Kevin has gone through the, the the surgery for the leg and the chemo for the leg, and then after we thought that we was in the, the how can I say the black, uh, he had a um, CT scan and a bone scan and a PET scan and kind of found out that there was a spot in his lungs. So that meant that the sarcoma had uh, migrated to the lungs, which yeah. is which is in all possibility. Because you know, some, we kept going back and going back and going back. It was a spot here, a spot there, a spot there. No. What people don't understand is that the lungs is your weakest part of your body. And there's always a chance that your cancer will migrate to the weakest spot of your body. And at that time, for Kevin, it was the lungs. So he had surgery for the lungs and we did more chemo and we thought that all the cancer was out of his lungs and then three months later we went back again and um, there was another spot, a bigger spot in his lungs again and what we did this time, the surgeons, uh, and this was the um, cardiologist surgery and everything, they cut him on his left side from his breastbone all the way to his back and went in and took off the lower half of the lung and uh, stitched him back in again and you know the tubes and everything else like that and God knows I'm going to tell you this right now uh, I slept uh, in those hard recliners up there at Chapel Hill uh, every night and every time when he was in the hospital for chemo and for surgery um, and um, you know after a week, he came home after they took the uh, tube out and everything else like that. So this child has gone through a lot of pain and agony and uh, stuff like that. But with me being strong and faithful and having him be faithful and pray to God and my mother talking to him and giving him strength, uh, he has dealt with this. Uh, and some of my friends, some of them, some of them, you know, not all people, some people. You know, and me going through the leg surgeries with the amputations and 
all those things. And I, I dealt with, I think I dealt with the amputation really, really good. Yeah. But going up to the amputation, I was a little, I was a little scared because I didn't think, I didn't know what was going to happen at the end of that amputation. And you uh, was, you was kind of nervous too about the amputation. Not really. Um, uh, you what? No. Because you didn't want me to get it cut off. No, because yes, yeah, you did. No, no. Let me tell you about this. Uh, let me tell you about the people that 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 stuck with Kevin all through these surgeries and the chemo. Mama. Because mm. I'm getting up to this. Okay, you asked me how I feel about the situation. Like I said, you know who your true friends are when they stay with you, and I like to shout out for um, Juanita, Terry. She called Kevin every night during chemo. God knows I hate Mork and Mindy because they watched Mork and Mindy. Waikita. Waikita did with him on the phone and Lifetime movies. <laughs> oh my God. Me and Waikita watching Lifetime movies. Yeah. Trying and to get through it. Get through it. She would talk to him until he went to sleep and that was early in the morning. Okay. Leah, Corey. Yeah, Leah, Corey, and then Mimi. Oh, Mimi crazy. And she would come over to the house when he came home and everything because there's always a certain number of people that could come in. And these were his friends that stuck by him. These were not the friends that say, oh, I can't stand to see how he looks because really he looked like a walking skeleton, you know, without no hair. Uh, he had lost weight and everything else like that. And But, but how did that... See, you see your child was one way one minute and then so fast, you know, like a snap. I'm looking like the walking dead. How was that for you? You, you know, uh, I dealt with it because, you know, I knew he was going to go through this and I knew the consequences. That, 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 after that, that Marine Corps stuff, probably, you just deal with it. Yeah. Probably my Marine Corps mortality because, you know, I spent all these years in Marine Corps and, and, and as a senior staff and CEO, you have to deal with situations good and bad. And, and, and this was a situation that, uh, you had to deal with it and take care of him and keep the morale up and everything else like that. What was it when you told Amos? Amos, the people don't know, that's my father. Uh, hmm. Yeah, sperm donor. Uh, because he was really not into the uh, uh, treatment plan or knowledge. Uh, I don't even believe he called Kevin during the time he was sick. And he going, didn't. Going through the surgery and everything else like that. And this is hard for a child, any child, that has no physical or verbal contact with a another parent and everything else like that. So uh, uh, he was not in the game plan uh, of discussions uh, with with the type of treatment that Kevin would have or anything. And uh, uh, you know, we just put him in the hands of God that he has to deal with this situation That's right. uh, when he meets. God and his judgment day. But uh we dealt with that and everything else like that. Yeah, yeah, we dealt with that. We dealt with that. You know, so what was it like for you and tell the other parents when you walking up and down the hallways, you worrying about your child, you worrying about you know, when when I'm in surgeries and stuff like that, how was that like? Um when Kevin went into surgery and everything else. Kyle was in surgery so much. You met friends up there that their, their own family member was going into surgery and you struck out a conversation and everything else like that. And you supported one another through talking about different things during um, your loved one going through surgery and you met friends and everything. I think um, 
next to the last surgery, next to the last leg surgery Kevin had at Duke. And by this time, we had transferred over to Duke because Dr. Russ had left and went to um, Virginia. And he was on, he was uh, the Sacoma doctor at Chapel Hill. And then Dr. Brigman, who I love dearly, uh, was the next uh, Sacoma doctor at Duke. And I love him dearly. That is my man, Dr. Brigman and Dr. Russ. Um, and Dr. Brigman had to do the surgery on Kevin because he kept getting infections in that leg, in the rods and in the um, artificial uh, joints and everything. And what people don't know is that you sometimes get infections in your artificial piece. That and, surgery is rough. And uh, we, had, rough surgery. we had um, two surgeries for that. And what you have to do is take everything out and then you put rods in to keep everything in they place. They had to clean it like back and forth, back and, and scrub forth, it up scrub and that stuff. Oh, that's Scrub the infection and everything else like that. And this is where he had the, the most horrible pain. You might have to pray it away. Yeah. They gave me and all those like, pills. Those pills I mean, did not work at all. He had four different types of pain pills. And uh, I asked Dr. Brigman, I said, why does he need all this pain pill? And Dr. Russ said, believe me, uh, Ms. Amos, he called me Ms. Amos, he's going to need it. And God knows he didn't need it, but they didn't help. And like Kevin said, Mama, he said, I'm just going to have to pray this pain away. Because so it hurt so bad. That's what he did. And uh, when he had to sit there with the uh, spaces in for three months before we had to go back in and do more surgery to put the rods back in and the knee back in and everything else like that. And we did that twice. But, you know, in, in, in the um, waiting room, you sit there and you meet uh, different family members and you, you talk and everything else like that. And God knows I bought my books with me. Right, it comes like, like a community. Yeah, it's a community and everything else like that. Because I know one of the surgeries that um, we had at uh, Duke, uh, my uh, resource officer, he was up there with his wife and uh, she was having surgery uh, for a pituitary edema, which Kevin had too, but this surgery was for his leg and her, her surgery was for um, removal of the tumor off his, her pituitary edema. And we was having a conversation and, you know, the trials and tribulation we went through with dealing with uh, uh, loved ones with uh, brain tumors and everything else like that. So you meet friends and you, you bond together and everything like that and, and you contact with one another. And, and another great person was the chapel female chaplain at a uh, oh, chapel, yeah, I loved chapel her. Hill um, yeah. on, on the oncology ward and everything like that. She was so good. and She, she was so good to me. She gave Kevin her phone number, home phone number and everything else like that, that Kevin yeah. could call her anytime, anytime at night, anytime. And he did. And she is she fantastic. Was a big help. And big she's help. still up there. So every time we do go to Chapel Hill, we, we try to get to see her. But um, if not, you know, Kevin be sure to say, tell so-and-so, and I saw her. I want to see her and everything, and she'll call. So but, did you think that this whole 20-year session with me going through the surgeries and the brain tumors and the cancers and all that kind of stuff was going to last so long? Um, No, I didn't. I didn't. Are you surprised it lasted so long? Uh, in today's society, nothing surprises me no more. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, nothing surprised me anymore. Well, what did you think back then when I was first going through something and then you would go like, okay, that's going to be it. That's going to be, we're going to be done. We're going to be back to our regular lives. No, I don't think that way. Um, oh, okay. Um, 
I just put my faith in, in, in the Lord. Right. That he would get me through this. And any trials and tribulation that we were going through. Because I know dealing with cancer, the cancer could always come back. And this type of cancer could always come back, which it did twice. And it could come back again. It'll come back, you know, it come back with a vengeance, you know. So that's always in the back of my mind that, you know, uh, this is something that we have to deal with. So we've, we dealt with it before twice. And we've dealt with um, coming back twice. And we dealt with uh, surgeries for the leg uh, three times and then the amputation. With the amputation, like Dr. Brigman told him, is that you have to make the decision this time of getting your leg amputated because I can put it back together again and clean the infection out. The infection was so bad that you could smell it. You walk in his room and you could smell it. You knew he had another infection. And he was sort of in denial, you know. And um, the way he told me that he had another infection, a major infection, was we was at dinner in Newburn, and uh, we was having we was at a, with a group dinner, and he was saying, "Well, Mom, I need to tell you something and everything." And I had, a I had to tell you, like I had to get, I, I had to drink to tell, I had to tell yeah. you because you know sometimes you get a little, you know, you know how you get sometimes. Yeah, and uh, the first thing I said, well, we got to call Doctor Brigman. And then he got home and flipped out. Yeah, because he should have told me a long time ago. And then he had an appointment at Chapel Hill with his oncologist. And then uh, Dr. Brigham's nurse, Miss Sherry, called us and said, could we come to Duke the same day? And we made it to Duke the same day. And Dr. Brigham looked at the leg and everything. And you could see it oozing and everything. And uh, he says, Kevin, we need to take this leg. I could... T I could do surgery and put you back together. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be back in here less than six months. And it was a massive infection because when Dr. Brigman went in there and did surgery, he had four different types of bacteria. Yeah, it was, so, it was so, something. Uh, Kevin went to the bathroom and he, he cried, he cried. But he made the decision that it was best to have the leg amputated. And to let you know how serious it was, Dr. Brigman wanted to do the surgery that Friday. And Kevin says, no, no, no. He said, let me go home and get myself together mentally about it and everything like that. Because, you know, mentally you, you have to psych yourself up, you know, when you go into a major surgery. And especially when you're going to uh, lose a, a limb part and everything else like that. So we was back in Duke that next Friday. And... Uh, Kevin, with his crazy self, uh, asked Dr. Brinkman, could he keep... Uh, I wanted to keep the parts, because I really wanted to keep the parts. And uh, Dr. Brinkman told Kevin, no, we don't do that anymore, Kevin. Um, I still wish he would have let me keep the yeah, parts. We, we get rid of them <laughs> and everything. And uh, Dr. Brinkman's team, God, he knows he has a fantastic team. Because he did my leg, right. He, uh, he is the foremost oncologist representative here in the east part of North Carolina and Virginia, and he travels all over the world to treat people world with renowned. And, 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 and let me tell you, there's different types of sarcoma. Different types of sarcoma. And, and like I said, sarcoma could come anywhere within your body, a different type. Uh, in fact, unfortunately, I had a student uh, that ended up with a different type of sarcoma in his lower part of his extreme. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't make it. But like I said, 
there's different types of sarcoma. And I'm telling parents is don't, when your child comes and tell you that they have a pain in their arms or their knees or their shoulder, get it checked out because you don't know. It could be some type of form of cancer that this child has. So I'm telling you that from my... Because we thought it was a growth spurt in me. And I'm telling you this Mm -hmm. from my personal experience. Right. But uh, we went through the uh, amputation and... uh, That was amazing. It was amazing. My crazy child, when he got out of surgery, he asked for his cell phone, his mother, uh, ice cream, and a drink. uh, That's right. In that order. And uh, when we got into... um, his room and everything else like that. He was in good Remember, shape. Remember, we made a promise we was going to look at the same time. Yeah, and we looked at the legs the same time. We and, were like, oh, okay. Uh, I tell you what, Dr. Brigman is a brilliant surgeon. Uh, the leg looks fantastic. The leg, even today, still looks fantastic. And, uh, and I'm Great not talking surgeon. about the leg. I'm talking about... Uh, What's left of the leg, the thigh area. The, the thigh area looks fantastic and everything else like that. And... The anesthesiologist, well, he put a block in and... Uh, you mean the block flipped out? The block came out in this child. <laughs> he didn't have any pain. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did to make sure he didn't have any pain. And then the next morning, the uh, uh, physical therapist came in and said, Hey, Kevin, we had to get you up to show you how to bathe yourself and wash yourself. And Kevin said, Well, y'all behind myself because I haven't been up and washed my face and brushed my teeth and everything. And... He said, do you realize I've been on crutches for all these years and everything? I know how to take care of myself. And I said, well, okay, Kevin, we're going to walk around uh, the unit and everything else like that. And he says, no, okay, no problem. And um, he walked around the unit with, with the IV stand and everything else like that. And it was amazing because they couldn't believe that he was able to get out of bed, no pain, walk perfectly with the crutches and everything, and walk around that unit twice. It could have went again. And they said, well, Kevin, you really don't need us anymore. And Kevin said, I tried to tell you that. Right. I've been already up waiting on y'all. Uh, yeah. Too. I mean, he's already been through all this stuff before. He's done this at home and everything. But that's just the protocol. Yeah, but that's the protocol. And then Dr. Brinkman came in and he said, well, you know, really, Kevin, you're doing so great and everything. I can let you out today. I said, oh, no. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. You know what, Lord Jesus I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, Dr. Brinkman, you got you to gotta let me go home and get myself together, okay? I mean, we had to get ourselves together, dealing with getting everything prepared for Kevin to come home and everything. I said, give me two days, Dr. Brinkman. So Dr. Brinkman said, okay. He said, uh, Kevin, I'll let you out Tuesday because we're, we're talking this on Saturday morning. So he kept him in the hospital, and uh, Tuesday morning he let him out with all this stuff. And then this time we decided that instead of going through the port, we would do a pig line. Yeah. For the IVs and everything, for the for the antibiotics and stuff like that. And I'm telling you, I was scared of of, of the uh, pig line, but it was much easier to do. Yeah, than it port. was. Yeah. And uh, Keith and I learned how to do the pig line and everything else like that. And uh, we got a down pad and we had a you know home nurse come in and check because there were certain things that. She had to do that we couldn't do and everything like that, dealing with the pick line and changing the line out and everything else like that. So uh, uh, we dealt pretty good with the amputation and praise be to God and and, and our faith and our strength that we really hadn't had any problems with the amputation, with the uh, area of the amputation so far. No problem. And um, I tell you, it's it's wonders. Uh, So 
what would you tell parents now it's been 20 years since your first experience with me going through all this to now what do you know for sure about the your growth and knowing how to deal with stuff that you have never dealt with before until i start dealing with it have faith in god and have a, a support system such as your family and your and my mother and my brothers were my support system even though they weren't down here with me they called me they talked and everything like that. They talked to Kevin. My brothers talked to Kevin. And my mother talked to Kevin all the time. But what was your outlet? I didn't have an outlet. Uh, I was just too focused on trying to keep you alive. That was my primary focus. To, to read up and learn about any surgeries or treatment that would keep you alive. And, and the doctors at Chapel Hill and Duke felt the same way. In so fact, basically, you gave your, up your personal life, your own personal life, doing what you want to do to focus on me and take care of me. Right. I have no okay. life. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I have no personal life, Willie. Well, that's different now. Not really. You're not yet. sitting around the house, you know, waiting on me now. Not really. I, I'm able to get out more. Uh, but uh, what I'm seeing is that... Um, when you have a child and you don't have that spousal backup or or that support from uh, uh, the child's other parent and everything else like that, your primary focus is to make sure that your child is alive. It's hard to think that you're going to lose a child to death. And I've seen a lot of parents up there at Chapel Hill and Duke go through this. I've seen a lot of sick children and people adult people and teenagers go through cancer and everything else like that and their treatments and everything and older adults too um you just have faith yeah you gotta have faith faith is faith is key have pray. faith have faith read your bible you gotta pray 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 pray, pray. and everything and, and 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 have faith in the doctors and everything else like that and challenges the doctors, because the doctors like to be challenged. That's right. You got to challenge your doctor. You can't just go in there. Because I know now, these days, I don't. My doctors will say, well, Kevin, 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 try this. I need you to tell me why I need to try that. And I'm going to go back and get off the phone with you and go back and look. If it worked for us, it's going to work. But if it don't work for us, it's time to try something else because I just don't go by what doctors say. I have to research it or she will research it. And that's what I'm here to try to tell people. Even I've been a patient a long time. I have not been a caregiver yet. But I'm telling you from my experience, you need to research your illness because your parents can be here today and gone tomorrow and you're still stuck with that illness. And you need to know what to do to get through it all because the world doesn't stop because somebody dies. So, and, and what I want to add is, is that I had to force Kevin to learn about his illness, to take a part of his treatments. Because like he said, some days it was going to be sometimes that myself and Keith are not going to be here. 
or I'm not going to be here, period. And he's going to have to learn how to take care of himself and be vocal for himself, too. Which I am. I'm, I'm already am. So yeah, that was so, 20 years ago. So, I, you know, I'm a different person now. Yeah, he's a different person now. <laughs> so he's gotten into to the deal with, with his treatments and everything like that. And I think it's more being more being really nervous. Because when I first got cancer, me and mom had held hands walking to the hospital. And I said, I am not going to die in here. There's no way that y'all going to be rolling me out nobody bag. That's not happening to me. I might die from this cancer. So I guess a lot of my, I guess when kids get really upset because they don't know, I got really upset in the hospitals and things of that nature. You kind of showed out a little bit in the That's hospital. That's Because I didn't know. I was scared. So, but when I started to mature a little bit, ease down, it all came together. And I am here today. To tell you my story. So, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mama. Miss Lorraine Jackson, you know, she loves to talk. So, and, you know, she my, was my caregiver. I love her. She's my angel. And I thank you for being on my first, first show. Still caregiver. Still caregiver. She's still my angel, though. You're my... Uh, thank you for being on my podcast. I appreciate you being on my podcast. Well, thank you for asking me, Kevin. And until next time, we'll see you later. Have a good day. Bye. Peace out.